1: Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog ArsCast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It is, as I speak, 20 past six on Thursday, transfer deadline day. We were expecting I don't know what we were expecting in terms of arrivals. It looks like we're only gonna get the one. Dennis Suarez has arrived on loan from Barcelona. Dennis Suarez with his 1N. Just the one N in his name, which always makes me think of this... Thankfully he doesn't have blue eyes. I don't have a crush on him and I'm definitely not in love with him, but I do hope he can bring something to this team. We are going to discuss Denis Suarez in a little while with uh, James and also Jim the man from East Lower will be along as well. So we're going to talk about transfer deadline day, the uh, the makeup, the state of the squad, how ready or how uh, able we are for a Europa League tilt as well as trying to keep uh, keep ourselves in the top 4 because we are in the top four, ladies and gentlemen, other than Denis Suarez, though it has been a pretty quiet deadline day. I mean, quiet in terms of in terms of Arsenal action at the uh, time of recording. And actually a couple of hours ago, I was told that that's it. Suarez is it. There are no more incoming deals. We're waiting to see if uh, Emil Smith rose loan to disgustingly sweet energy drink leipzig will go through curiously the transfer window in germany closed in the evening and at the time of recording it still hasn't been announced even though he is over there so that's a little bit up in the air apart from that it has been really quiet unless you've been in my house my house has not been quiet because of uh, required works to the chimney Uh, Somebody came along a while ago and said, actually, uh, I can't clean this chimney for you because it's all broken up inside and you should get someone to have a look at it. And someone came out and had a look at it and went, how long have you been lighting fires in that? And it was like, well, you know, 10 years. We've been here 10 years. And he was like, holy shit. You're very lucky you didn't get carbon monoxided because your chimney breast and the uh, chimney stack and everything is cracked, and every time you light a fire, there are gases coming in all over the house, which, uh, as somebody said on the arses today, could go a long way to explaining some of the, the crazy dreams I have. Nevertheless, the people have been in, knocking down the chimney and rebuilding the chimney and all that, and they've been here all day, and it was mostly uh, this... followed by stuff like this... And the alarm you can hear there is next door neighbor's alarm going off because of all the uh, the vibration. So it has been noisy, as quiet as it has been on the transfer front uh, here in my office where I've been since around uh, 6.30 this morning. It's now 6.30 in the evening and I'll be here until about 11 because, you know, we're doing the Transfer Deadline Day Live blog. If you commit to the thing, you've got to follow through with it. You can't just knock off using the fact that Arsenal aren't doing any transfer business as some kind of pathetic excuse. The other thing is that uh, because this work is going on and because it was brought forward a bit, the dogs are still in kennels. I haven't seen them since I got back from from New York, and I miss my dogs. I mean, I don't miss them being here when all this work is done because the entire house is torn asunder with, with plastic and work stuff and everything, but they're up there, and I feel bad. You know, when you put dogs in kennels, some dogs like going to kennels. Some dogs are okay with it. They're like, yep, see you later. It's all good. I know you'll be back. German shepherds, they're not really like that. They're like, why are you leaving me? Why are you you stabbing me in the heart and leaving me? How could you do this to me? Why? What did I do to you? Do you hate me now? What did I ever do to you except love you too much? Except it's not that calm. It's a bit more screechy and like, ah! You know, that's the human equivalent of of the dog being led down the path into the kennels. So hopefully all going well. Archer! And? Lana! What? We'll come home tomorrow and uh, get spoiled rotten. Look at this. Look at this. As I'm recording. As I'm recording breaking news. Breaking transfer news involving the Arsenal. Emile Smith-Rowe has signed for Disgustingly Sweet Energy Drink Leipzig on loan for the rest of the season. He will wear the number 18 out there uh, for the Bundesliga team. They are fourth in the Bundesliga, so going really well. Hopefully he can uh, play some minutes. I'll talk to the guys, of course, about what they think of this loan. Uh, So I'll save that discussion and some uh, insight and analysis of it until we uh, talk to James and Jim now imminently. Uh, But there you go. That's it. He joins Rhys Nelson in the Bundesliga. Uh, it looks like the uh, the deal that was maybe going to happen with Eddie and Kettia going to Augsburg didn't happen because we couldn't get. Unkunku, we couldn't get Carrasco, we couldn't get Perisic, therefore it left us a bit short in terms of attacking options, because if we only had two strikers and one of Lacazette and Aubameyang got injured, it would place a very heavy burden on them for the rest of the season, so we're keeping Enkedia and who knows uh, how much he's going to be needed between now and May, so, so there you go, good luck to Ernie, that's all we can say. Right, let's get on with the meat and drink of this, because it is transfer deadline day, And Arsenal have brought in one player in January, and that's it. It was made clear by Unai Emery that we could only do loan deals, so we are financially restricted, whether it's because of an edict from the owners, whether it's because we're saving our money for the summer, whether it's because, I don't think it's because of wages, because we just added to the wage bill, didn't we? We just added Dennis Suarez to the wage bill. So it's not that we can't add new players because we can't afford to pay any new wages because we've just uh, agreed to pay Dennis Suarez's wages. So that's not the issue. And is it enough? Is it going to be enough? We'll have to wait and see. But with me to discuss all that, first up, James. Hello, James. Hello. And we have Jim, the man from East Lower. Good evening to you. Good evening. Uh, It is 20 past 8 on Transfer Deadline Day. We have brought in Dennis Suarez, but I want to play you a clip of uh, David Ornstein talking on BBC 5 Live Radio uh, just a few moments ago. This is what he had to say about the possibility of any more signings in this transfer window.
2: Meanwhile, over the last week or so, they've been pursuing interest, last couple of weeks, pursuing interest in the Paris Saint-Germain 21-year-old box-to-box midfielder, uh, Christopher Nkunku. Uh, He had worked under Unai Emery at Paris Saint-Germain and uh, that was a a unified approach from the Arsenal hierarchy. They all wanted him. Um, but unfortunately, despite them still working on that today, it seems that won't come to fruition, and that Arsenal's incoming business is
1: done. Done, over, kaput, end of story. That's it. Dennis Suarez, is it, James? I know you were quite invested in the idea of Christopher Unkonku. Um, yeah. <laughs> are you Are you disappointed? Um- no,
2: yes, because I thought he looked like an interesting signing, and uh, I, you know, the more the merrier on deadline day. But actually, when you break it down, I'm not necessarily convinced he's a player we needed right now. It always felt like he was sort of the alternative to Dennis Suarez, and when you look at the other players we were linked with on the on the final couple of days, people like Perisic, Carrasco, they're quite a different type of player. They're like a a proper winger, and that is something that we don't have. Whereas I think Nkunku's sort of a another creative midfielder. We've we got plenty of those as things stand. So I was a little bit disappointed, but I don't think, I don't know how much difference it's going to make between now and the end of the
1: season. Yeah, that's fair enough, Jim. We are uh, looking at a new player who we will discuss now in a, in a few moments' time. But if I had said to you at the start of the transfer window in January that the only business we would do would be to bring in a loan signing from Barcelona, and that player would be an attacking midfielder. Would you have been happy with that? Are you happy with it now?
3: Uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I am not surprised. Uh, It's straight out the a playbook, isn't it? Where do you need to strengthen? Well, we'll go somewhere else. No, not quite. I'm not surprised because we we knew about the money thing. Um, We've known about the money thing for a while, how weird that is. Um, but uh, so I'm not massively surprised. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of activity elsewhere. It's always a weird time, so um, no, I'm not surprised. But it, it, it is nice to have a few uh, an extra option um, on on the wing. So uh, yeah, well done for getting him in. Uh, you know, and also what David Ornstein said. He did say it seems it's it's not going to happen. Now come on, <laughs> that's not very categorical, is it? So, it let, let's get. Let's not get too down in the dumps. You, know, you never know. The next hour could just explode.
1: Yeah, it could do, and if it does, we'll be obviously re- reacting to that live and on this podcast. But you know, <laughs> I, I think we're we're probably safe. You know, I, I I'm a little bit confused. Not confused, but I'm trying to see what the logic is and everyone says we need a player on the wings jim we need somebody who can do more in the in the final third we need more options in there but when i look at the premier league table i see liverpool have scored 55 goals manchester city because of the the sheer array of talent that they have in their team have scored 63 goals but we're next on 50 goals both ourselves and tottenham hotspur have scored 50 goals i'm i'm slightly not in the dark, but trying to figure out why it was we seemed to um, prioritise a signing in the attacking end of the field when that hasn't really been the biggest issue we've had. And we haven't lost uh, two attacking players to season-ending injuries. We've lost one, Danny Welbeck, but we've lost two defenders to season-ending injuries. Can you see a logic in what it is that they've been doing or the players they've been targeting during this window
3: well sorry was that to me yeah oh yeah i i, I don't know i i, I slightly disagree with you on the having lost what have obviously lost one attacking player but i think bellerin is such uh has been such an offensive um outlet for us that um in some respects uh he was one of you know he was one of the best things about us going forward on the right so um may, maybe we have lost a bit up there but that being said i think I might be wrong, but I think um, they were talking about Suarez before Bellerin got injured. So let's not sort of. Yeah, they were. You know, maybe it's not that. So, um, but yeah, it, maybe it allows him to play in a slightly different way, in a way we haven't seen, uh, and um, change things around a little bit more in the way that maybe Liverpool do with their midfield. They swap around a lot more than we do. Um, but I do, you know, beyond that, I do I do, I do, do get where you're coming from in that, that the area where we uh, are having the most problems is at the back. But is that a personnel or is that a structural thing? And I, I don't. We haven't quite got to the bottom of that yet, so uh, mm. I'm not sure.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, it, it depends on the game and the performance and who's playing. You know, it could be personnel, it could be structural, it could be, you know, simply that uh, some of the players we have back there need to be replaced because they're they're not good enough or, you know, the injuries, and I think we have to take into account the injuries that we've had this season haven't really allowed us to play the same back four for any sustained period of time. And I think that's something that, Perhaps goes under the radar a bit, James, when we talk about the defense. He has switched between a back three, a back five, and a back four. There hasn't been any real consistency in terms of the, uh, the personnel he's been able to, to pick week in, week out. Some of that is down to him, but some of it, of course, is down to injury.
2: Yeah, it's, it is perplexing the centre-half issue because I've just been looking back where you've been talking and on the 12th of December, Unai Emery said, I think if we can take one player to help us at centre-back, I think it's a good option. Now, bear in mind, that's after the upholding injury, but it's before we lost Sokratis for the entirety of Feb- February. You know, I, I am bemused why that went off the table to the extent that it did.
1: That's a really uh, good point. I'd forgotten all about that because it feels like for the last five or six weeks the focus has entirely been on Suarez and Carrasco and and getting in a, a player to play in the in the final third. Whereas he obviously, and I remember now that you said it, he said we need to bring in a player to help us in defence.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only thing, I mean, he did say immediately afterwards, we're going to wait and see how Mavropanos is improving with his injuries because he is also a centre-back who can help us. Okay, And I I really think that that's the only kind of logical conclusion here is that Mavropanos being fit again changed those plans because they absolutely were talking very publicly about the need for a centre-half. So it's kind of weird that that went off the back burner to the extent that it did. I must say in this whole January window, you know, the Suarez thing and the wanting a midfielder who can play left or right, I do understand it to an extent because we've only really got Alex Awobi and Henrik Mkhitaryan who, would say, are kind of comfortable in those positions. But it does feel like we've added someone who, and I, I might be wrong about this, but it's kind of more of what we've already got. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure what we're getting that brings a different dimension to the team, you know? Mm. I, I
3: perhaps think Perhaps also, with, sorry, with, with the central defender, perhaps also he... Uh, when he said that, he wasn't sure how good uh, Kachelny would be when he came back. That's a good and, point. Uh, and actually, he's been—I mean, apart from the first couple of games when he looked rusty and it was probably played too much—he he's been really fantastic. So perhaps that changed his thinking as well.
1: Mm. Fair point, fair point. And I think, you know, if he could play Socrates and Koscielny together for a sustained period of time, he w- he would do and would probably feel relatively secure with two very experienced central defenders in there. And I think the team would probably benefit from that as well. Uh, it doesn't take away from the fact that defence is is a big issue for us. And maybe he has seen something, if we're looking at the positive side of things, maybe he has seen something from Mavropanos that suggests he can be a player... Who can come in and do a job when required? Um, uh, you know, we, we just don't know. I mean, we all hope that that's the case. We saw him play a couple of games last season, and he looked, he looked like a, a, a pretty decent young footballer. But he hasn't been tested yet. Uh, we'll find out in due course, I'm sure, when a few more of our central defenders get injured. Uh, so good luck to him when when that happens. But let's come to to Dennis Suarez. Um, I have to say, my feeling on this is that I'm glad we have brought him in, but it's kind of because I feel like we we just needed to bring anybody in to to boost the squad. And like James, I'm I'm not sure exactly what he gives us that some of the other players we have in those positions don't, other than you know fitness at this moment in time. Mkhitaryan making his way back. You know, he hasn't really played a great deal this season for Barcelona. He's only played eight games. And, Jim, you know when they talk about players coming from abroad, they need four or five months, maybe six months to settle into English football. Sometimes it's a season that they need to settle into English football. We need Denis Suarez to settle into English football immediately and start producing. I wonder... Or worry maybe that we're asking a little bit too much, or expecting a little bit too much from from this guy and what he might be able to give us. And I'm going to talk about his stats and and everything else in in a few moments as well. But I mean, what are you? What are your realistic expectations for this player?
3: I don't forget that on on the plus side, uh, on the bone, he's also got two operational
1: legs, which are many yeah uh, and he's of our players don't he, have he's, he's very so. fresh. He's not tired because <laughs> yeah. he hasn't been well, playing. Well,
3: no, but it, in all seriousness, I, I think um, he has, you know, he he. I, I'm not so sure that the kind of how how quickly does it take to adapt to a new type of football. I I think that gap might have shrunk a bit just because of the nature of of European football now, and everyone everyone's going here and everyone's going there, and I, and I think there are an enormous amount of surprises. But what I think he really brings is he's at a massive crossroads in his career. Clearly, um, you know, I did read somewhere that he'd only really had one half one half a season where he was. Superb the whole way through, and and maybe it's just he, he's hungry to actually to actually prove himself, and that was the you know many managers and Wenger was one of them used to bring players in who he thought uh, had something to prove, and he certainly got something to prove. Now, like you say, four months, it's it's a no-brainer for Arsenal. If if it doesn't work out, he's, he's gone, but um, it gives him a good platform to uh, to show actually that, that there's um you know this, he's only halfway through his career and he's got a lot to give. Now uh, maybe that maybe that's something in his favour.
1: That is certainly a very positive way of looking at it and I can understand that I can see that as well. You know if he has if you look at his career actually it's quite interesting. Um he described uh, James the 2014-15 season when he went on loan from Barcelona B to Sevilla uh, where Unai Emery was the manager and he played uh, quite a lot that season. So he played 46 games in that season for uh, Sevilla. Didn't play in the Europa League final, though. Um, Next season, he played 48 games for Villarreal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Barcelona then activated the buyback clause that they had on him, brought him back in. He played 36 games in 2016-17, 27 games in 2017-18, and has only played eight games now. So as his career has progressed, he's played fewer and fewer games. I I don't know whether that's a consequence of Barcelona being so brilliant that they don't need Denis Suarez or Denis Suarez not being quiet at the level that Barcelona uh, require. Uh, but, you know, it's a trajectory that would be, if you looked at it in those terms uh, and those terms alone, it would be slightly worrying.
2: Yeah, I think it would be. I think the caveat to offer is, uh, as you suggest, really, just quite how much quality and depth... Barcelona have available to them and maybe you know maybe there are some pretty decent players who wouldn't get into their side Uh, I I think we can probably assume that he's got a good technical foundation you know he's he's been at Manchester City as a teenager he's been at Barcelona Uh, he's been playing in La Liga and apparently that season with Villarreal was probably his best season playing predominantly off the right-hand side I think there is a huge question mark hanging over him and in that I mean kind of to second what Jim said really I mean he comes with something to prove and he might he might be this you know great talent waiting to break out he's not had an opportunity we really don't know because it's almost impossible to gauge his current level because he's just not had enough football Um, Unai Emery has worked with him every day for a full season and he seems to think he's someone who can come to Arsenal and add something and I, I guess, you know, we've got to trust the the coach's judgment on that because this surely more than any signing that we've had since, well, since Arsene Wenger went really, is an, an Unai Emery signing. So yeah. it'll be really intriguing to see, you know, how much use he makes of him. And is he someone who like, you know, like Matteo Ganduzzi, does he become a bit of a teacher's pet? You know, someone who's, who's part of the team uh, week in, week out. It'll be really fascinating to see what that sort of dynamic is and and how big a role he plays between now and May.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the interesting thing. What kind of a role is he going to play? Where exactly is he going to play as well? Mm. Because uh, I suppose people have this idea that he, w- he will play as a as a winger of some kind it might be a case that he comes in and plays on the right-hand side with a Wobi on the left and just one of our strikers plays. I think that might be... That's what I think will happen. I, that's right. kind of what I think will happen too because we're we're placing a heavy burden on Aubameyang and Lacazette and we need someone to take that burden away from them. But, uh, you know, just in terms, to give you an idea of what he produces, 2014-15, six goals and five assists. 2015-16, which was his standout season at Villarreal, five goals and 12 assists. 16-17 uh, was three goals and five assists. 17-18, three goals, five assists. 20 19, he's scored a couple of goals and he's got one assist. So, you know, this idea that he's going to come in and be the sort of player who's going to start banging in goals doesn't really ring true from what we've seen from him so far. But perhaps what his uh, benefit might be is to enable us to, uh, Jim, keep strikers fresh. Lacazette and Aubameyang, uh I don't think they can play ninety minutes of every game between now and the end of the season. So we do need somebody who can at least give them the break, as well as giving us an option from the bench as and when we need it.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's true, and um, uh, and that's but ultimately, also, what do be paying like two million pounds for this loan? I mean, and. It's, you know, how do you measure a success off the back of an investment of like two million quid? It's, it doesn't take much for it to be worth doing, does it? Um, mm. So in, in that respect, it's, it's absolutely, there's no danger of it being anything other than mm. a, a good punt. Um, and maybe, you know, if you scored one, two, three goals uh, and they were important in certain games, then you'd say, well, it's it's, it's worth every penny. Um, but you're right. It gives us a few more options. It allows us to rest um uh, one of those strikers i mean good luck telling them which one it's going to be because um they're both hungry as hell to play and score so um but it does give you that option that welbeck had before and we don't have and yeah and it's, it's just it's a, it's a punt that's uh, that's completely worth taking
2: yeah i i mean i agree with it in that respect you know it's a it, it is absolutely a risk worth taking it's not costing us much and i think credit to the club for holding their nerve and you know, agreeing to a deal where they don't have a compulsory purchase at the end of it. I think yeah. that's absolutely the smart thing to do, and I'm glad that they that they stuck by that. Uh, in terms of like his numbers, you know, 12 assists is actually pretty decent from a from a season. You know, we're at the halfway point in our season or, or beyond it, and our highest assist is Aaron Ramsey with six. So to finish the season with 12 is actually pretty impressive. But I, I think he's not even necessarily a guy who you're looking at to give the final ball and certainly not to be a goal scorer I think the job he's going to do is very similar uh, to the one Alex Awobi does you know he's going to be one of these guys who drifts in probably from the right hand side and looks to play in an overlapping fullback I mean the real shame is we haven't really got (laughs) the overlapping fullback who made that right side work in the early part of the season Um, but I think yeah look it was absolutely a, a gamble worth taking and the ball's in his court now. You know, he's got an opportunity to earn a permanent move because there's no point in him going back to Barcelona. I don't think they've got any tension of keeping him in the long term. And no. Arsenal would be a, a really good club for him. So let's hope let's hope he can seize it. And he starts at his former club, of course, on Sunday.
1: Yeah, we can come to the Man City game in, in a few minutes' time. I'll stick with you, James, So just because uh you you know you talk about uh the opportunity he has here at Arsenal yeah. and you know if he does well i'm still not convinced that he's a player we will spend money on uh, otherwise we might have gone with a you know a, a different option when it comes to the end of the deal but it is a, an opportunity to put himself in the in the shop window uh you know he only had a year left on his contract with barcelona um, he signed an extension, which of course gives them a bit more resale value in the summer. I think his his time there is is done and dusted. You can see the way he's been used this season that that's the case. Um, so you know it, it it is a chance for him to to show that there's more to him than maybe the last couple of seasons have suggested, and more about what he did at Villarreal and and did during that season in in Sevilla.
2: Yeah, and I think if circumstances were different, you know, maybe Arsenal would have made a permanent bid for him this January. But it's very, very clear that. You know, there was a decision taken that Arsenal were not going to indulge in paying a permanent fee for anyone this month. And to the extent where, I mean, David Ornstein was reporting on the BBC that as part of the loan bid for Perisic, they were prepared to put in a clause whereby there was a penalty fee if they didn't make it permanent in the summer. That so That was they obviously feel, weird, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, you know, I've never encountered a, a clause quite like that before. In fact, you know where you see that is in, like, television, you know, when people take on a pilot of something, they put a penalty clause clause and if they don't take it to series sometimes things like that but i've never heard about it in a football context but uh that to me says the club very clearly feel they're going to have money available in the summer that isn't available now and quite precisely why they've taken that strategic decision i actually despite all the reading i've done despite everyone i've spoken to i'm not absolutely clear um but it's clearly a decision that's been taken and that's that's partly why we've ended up where we are
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Jim, are you surprised that there hasn't been a bit more investment in the squad in January that, that Unai Emery has been restricted to, to loan deals? He's been given a very difficult job, which is to get a, a team which has... Uh, Been on a downward trajectory, it's fair to say, in terms of the league position and and points and everything else for the last couple of seasons. To get that team back, not just leveled off, but upwards again and into the top four uh, to qualify for the Champions League. I know we have the opportunity to qualify via the Europa League, and he's something of a specialist in that as well. But you know, given it was his first window uh, in his first season, and there's a very obvious need for some investment and kind of the sort of investment that might make people sit up and go, yes, people are, you know, the club are really behind Unai Emery. They really believe in him. They're really giving him everything they can give him to help him achieve what they want him to achieve. Have you been surprised by, or were you surprised by, the fact that funds were so limited in January?
3: I'm a little surprised, but almost. I'm also not massively, uh, there hasn't been a lot of money splashed Elsewhere, not a huge amount, um, and so it, it's the time of year where it doesn't tend to happen anyway. What slightly surprises me is that is that Arsenal clearly desperate to get back in the Champions League, and, and in order to do that, you have to you have to t- you know take take a few risks. But um, uh, so they're obviously, I don't know, it'd be it'd be lovely to be a interesting to be a fly on the wall because do the, you know are they taking this as the the season where mm. he starts getting things in place and they're fine with it, and um, and then you know there's a chance we can get to top four. I'd say it's a bit long, and there's a chance we could win the Europa League. But similarly, it's a long way to go. It's still still 32 teams left there, and so you think maybe they, you know, m- maybe they think that the best the best chance is by properly strengthening in the summer and uh, and not taking any too many pot shots now, uh, and then you know perhaps with the understanding that this year it might be we might fall slightly short. Mm. I don't know because yeah. if they were desperate, like beyond desperate, they have said a few times you know, we've been hit by the lack of Champions League money. Yeah, it's being made quite clear. But if they were absolutely desperate for that and they thought, you know, looking at our form now, you can't say with any certainty that we're going to sh- shoot off on a run that's going to um, catapult us into the, into the top four and keep us there. So you know may- maybe they're being a bit realistic behind the scenes that actually it's too much to ask after 22 years um, for it to happen in the first season. Well,
1: let me just stick with you and let me just put something to you in terms of the joined-up thinking that we all hoped was going on behind the scenes when Unai Emery was appointed by Ivan Gazidis. And Raul Senyehi was brought in to be the head of football, uh, head of football relations, as it was, and later head of football. Sven Mislintap brought in to head up our recruitment. And we all thought, great, this is this is the way forward. We've got a modern structure in place. We've got a recruitment guy who will identify the talent. We've got the head of football guy who will schmooze and get the deals done and do the handshakes and everything else. And Ivan Gazidis, now that he has got, you know, the power, uh, considering Arsene Wenger is gone, he'll make sure the deals happen, that he's got the backing from the board for these guys to do their job as well as they can. Gazidis is gone and and Mislintat Whatever way you want to believe uh, that's gone behind the scenes, I say you. The you know, I mean, in general, uh, he's on his way out. I mean, does it feel to you, or do you feel like it's possible that what's gone on behind the scenes, the best-laid plans of mice and men and all that, um, weren't quite as well laid as we would have liked, and therefore, in order to sort of consolidate, they need to put new plans in place new people in place new head of recruitment all that kind of stuff before they go down the road of buying new players
3: well it would make sense wouldn't it and they, they've got you know they've got to uh, they've got to um, take that into account that there was never perhaps it was always a bit too much to ask a huge, not, not only a new manager or head coach um, but also a whole new structure um, for it to suddenly click and work like that and then for us to shoot straight up in the top four maybe that was always a little bit too ambitious and and I think the, the movements behind the scene whatever the reasons behind them probably make it more so so yeah perhaps a, a tinge of or a twinge of realism as as you know has entered the the scene I think that let's um, let's bed these things down a bit more see what happens after misslintet's gone and who else might or might not come in mm. and then in the summer we know a bit more what's going to go on I also wonder and God knows I don't want to talk about politics because football's way more fun but I, I don't know and no one's really mentioned the fact that there could be a bit of upheaval financially in March <laughs> in in the UK. Pe- perhaps people are just holding back a little bit like they are in other um, areas and just waiting to see what happens there.
1: Could be. I mean, there, there haven't been any big deals across the Premier League, really. None of the big six have brought in players. I know mm. uh, Chelsea brought in Higuain, of course, on loan, but there hasn't been a great deal of spending, James.
2: No, I mean, the deadline day, I just went on the BBC website and the the image they're using on the front page has got Maran Fellaini and Gary Cahill on it. It's not the most <laughs> glamorous deadline day we've ever had. Uh, probably the biggest signings look like they're going to be, you know, Newcastle have broken their transfer record, sign a from the MLS and and, and Leicester are getting Tielemann on loan from from Monaco, but it's not been... Uh, the whole window, you know, there's not been a huge amount of spending. I actually mentioned that in a, in a tweet about Brexit and a few people said to me, they think football, you know, the wealth is so great that it'll be insulated from an issue like that. But it wouldn't surprise me if there was a bit of caution at an executive level. I also wonder if it's natural that... You know, now, Senier. he is kind of the kingpin at Arsenal. There's a a measure of accountability on him in terms of what we do on the recruitment front. And I just wonder if he looks at the January market, looks at the January window. We know from his interviews, he's got a bit of a distaste for it. And if if I'm going to shape the squad, you know, if I'm going to play my part in that, and it's going to be on me, the success of it, I would rather get to the summer, kind of keep my powder dry and, and do it then. The risk of that, of course is what it means for the remainder of this season. And I actually think that, you know, if I think of previous transfer deadline days with Arsenal fans and, you know, not bringing in defenders or not bringing in holding midfielders or the players that we necessarily wanted, you know, there have been pitchforks and all sorts. And actually, people are quite measured. People are quite calm, I think. I don't know if it's the fact that we've been bumped into fourth by Chelsea's result at Bournemouth, but I think it's because people are actually prepared to say, well, we can only really judge our decision not to invest at this point at the end of the summer transfer window. And I do think that, you know, if we get to the summer and we don't do the kind of business that we're all hoping we do, then I think we'll feel like, well, this maybe this was an opportunity missed because essentially what we're saying here is it's all on the summer and there is an awful lot of work to do once again.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I do think the summer is when we can really make a judgment on, on what's going on and how well things are are being run behind the scenes, but you know if you're putting Champions League qualification as one of the the criteria for a manager to achieve, uh, mm. not not giving him any backing in in the January window is. It makes his job and everyone's job a bit more difficult. But do you feel as well, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on, just quickly on what's gone on behind the scenes with Tack going, that if it's a case that relations with, with Sven have broken down, it could be a case that Sven had a number of players lined up for January who might well mm. have, uh, he would have uh, picked and he would have identified as players who could come in and do a job. But if they've had that breakdown in relationship, which clearly is the case, then those targets... Have fallen by the wayside well
2: 29 year old Shinji Kagawa was available on loan from Dortmund and we weren't <laughs> interested so I think we know Spence you know no longer part of proceedings uh, I'm sure that had some sort of influence I mean you would like to think that uh, targets were identified pre January but when you watch the way the window plays out and how much business seems to be done close to the line uh, you do you do have to wonder about that and maybe you know, they're, they're talking probably to a new potential uh, technical director. Uh, they're talking to someone for Sven's job. You know, maybe it's going to be Francis Kagagau but some sort of chief scout or head of recruitment. And again, maybe they're thinking if these people are going to come in, we need to give them the opportunity to do their work in the summer. I do worry about what that means uh, for our t- chances of making the top four, because a couple of signings, you know, maybe a right back and a centre half would probably have done us in, in good stead. But, that's not the path that we've chosen. So it's on Unai now. And I think in the past, you know, sometimes you felt like you got through a transfer window and there was frustration with the the manager, with Arsene Wenger maybe, who you thought was a bit intransigent or a bit unwilling to spend. I don't get the impression that that's how Unai Emery felt about things this January. Or how uh, people
1: felt about Unai Emery, do you mean?
2: Well, Well, what I mean is I don't think he, I don't think it was him saying, no, let's not buy players. That, you know, I think yeah. if it was up to him, he would have had new signings in. And he talked very openly about wanting new players. It was actually in the window, wasn't it? During the window when he was like, actually, we can only loan them. And it didn't feel like that was his idea. So, uh, I, you know, I do have a bit of sympathy with him. And he's now got to you know, make what he can of of the squad that he's got, which, you know, it is good enough to make the top four, but there's going to be intense competition.
1: Mm, Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Because he did say, the club tell me it will be different during the summer. You Mm. know, there was, you know, a little bit of separation between him and the club. In that yeah. statement, you know, which I
2: think, I, I think that's inevitable in this new setup that we have. You know, ultimately, I think he probably knocks on someone's door and says, Hello, I'd like a winger, please. And they kind of say, Well, we'll get back to you. Whereas it always mm. felt previously like our manager kind of held the purse strings to an extent. And, I know there's debate about that, but that's yeah,
1: how it looks. Yeah, of course, and, and made the decisions. Jim, coming back to you, just going to something James said there, and I'm curious to your thoughts on this. Uh, he said the squad is good enough to get into the top four would you agree
3: um <laughs> was that that was a categorical um wasn't it yeah, really was, yeah. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure it is to be honest uh i, I think it, it it is if other teams don't perform to how they can perform but I, I think um i feel like we're not really consistent enough at the moment to to, to do that and we don't i don't know i i, I yeah I think we've got it's a, it's a very tall order in my book. I think we've got lots of room for improvement. I don't think it's massively, there's been a massive upward upward curve in terms of our performances. We've had some really good ones and some shockers and it's a little bit fractured mm. still, which I, I don't really, I'm not hugely surprised by. Again, it's a whole rebuild job. So I think I, my gut feeling would be we'll fall slightly short on that
1: one. Mm. I have to say, I think we need a good chunk of luck along the way. You know, we need things to go our way. We need to be able to win games when we play as badly as we did against Cardiff. And to you could, you could say it's, uh, it's been a hallmark of the season in a way is to play not particularly well and still win games as we did during that 22-game run. I'm just not sure how long you can get away with it. We didn't get away with it for a period, if you remember, when we lost to Southampton and drew with Brighton and lost to West Ham, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, I think what's happening at Chelsea is obviously a benefit to us. I wonder how long the Solskjaer bump can happen, or can continue at Manchester United. Uh, but I mm-hmm. do think if we are going to get into the top four, we need. It's like setting off in your car and driving down the road, and every set of traffic lights turns green just as you get to them. <laughs> it feels like we need that kind of a run because you know we, we sit here and we can dis- we can talk about the logic of doing business in the summer and why we're doing business in the summer and you know the 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 backroom machinations that might uh, be the reason for that and we can step back and look at that but the reality when you look at the squad is that it's a squad that has issues it's a squad that needs players it needs better defenders uh it has defensive issues which the the manager the head coach doesn't appear to be able to to sort out, and we've spoken about how unfortunate he's been in terms of, of the injuries and stuff like that. But uh, I, I think one of the things I would like to see, James, in the the last part of this season, we're in February now, so February, March, April, basically three months and a bit, you know, where we'll be able to make our mark and, and see if we're going to finish in the top four, is more of a willingness on Emery's part to to kind of go for it. And I don't mean just do what Wenger did and send his team out and say, you're great, I love you, Uh, you, you're brilliant footballers. Just go out and enjoy yourselves and play your expressive attacking football. It will all come together. That's not quite what I mean, but I think when you look back to the game on Tuesday night against Cardiff, again, it felt really conservative to me, the approach, perhaps with Manchester City in mind. I give that as a caveat. Nevertheless, it's Cardiff in the relegation zone, at home, And we didn't have a shot on target until Aubameyang scored a penalty. And I think a lot of that was down to the team selection and how we approached the game. Do do you, A, feel like that's something he needs to address? And B, will the signing of Denis Suarez, the imminent return of Henrik Mkhitaryan from uh, from injury as well, having more options in the attacking end of the pitch make him a bit more... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, tell me the word, because I've forgotten. It's a long day. I've been here Adventurous, since... Adventurous, maybe. Adventurous. That's it.
2: Uh, <laughs> it might do. I mean, C- Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast put together a nice thread on Twitter that's worth seeking out, um, which where, in which he spoke about the fact that the squad... Because I think this is a squad that... We've got plenty of numbers, but we've got issues with balance, and we've got issues with quality. And one of the issues is that we have... Two great finishers in Lacazette and Aubameyang, two players you want on the end of stuff. And then you've got a bunch of players like uh, Shaka, Torreira, Gendouzi, who really are at their best kind of operating from the base of midfield. And what we don't have or haven't had really is guys linking that up. There's been a huge onus on Alex Awobi to kind of do that job. And I think that's partly what's led to some of the criticism of him because, you know, we've been so reliant on him. And I think partly the reason we're in that situation, by the way, is that the the player, most obviously we have to do that kind of job is Mesut Ozil and Emery, for whatever reason, doesn't want to use him, but having Mkhitaryan back, having Dennis Suarez should, you would like to think, bring some more technical quality, some more players who can actually link the play in those spaces between midfield and attack and get us back to, you know, not quite the old arsenal, but at least some slick football because, Mm. I, you know, it's hard, easy to forget now, but in the early part of the season, we scored some lovely goals, you know, breaking out from the back. There was all this talk about Emery Ball, these flowing moves, and that has gone. Emery we Ball. We haven't been doing that for a long
1: time, <laughs> have we? So, Emery Ball. Ah, fuck. If you were to ask somebody now, what is Emery Ball? Well, that's it. What that's is it? it.
2: And, and I, I, it's impossible to say. And actually, when you say you want Emery to be more adventurous, I, I mean, as a fan, as someone who has to watch the games... I sort of agree with you. What I want from Emery is some sort of conviction or commitment to a way of playing. Because if it's going to work or it's going to not work, I would rather it happened on his terms. Like I think we need to see who this coach is that we've hired and what their vision for the team is, because it's not clear at the moment. And even if that does mean... Mention someone who we consider a favourite, or it does mean playing a formation that people aren't necessarily content with. I think he has to stamp his identity onto the team at this point in, in what's left of the season and show us where we're going. Where are we going next season? What 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 is this? What is the way we're going to play with these players who we're going to bring in in the summer? I understand the need for short-term results, but I think. I think at this point he also needs to sort of put some sort of groundwork in place so we've got something to build on moving forward. Because at the moment, as Jim alluded to, we're slightly sort of bumbling along. And I just think a sense of direction would be the most positive thing.
1: Jim, your thoughts? What What's your feeling on what Emery Ball is and what you might like Emery Ball to be?
3: Well, Emery Ball sounds like something you file off dead skin with, doesn't it? But um... <laughs> Uh, Emery Ball. I think we saw a bit of it earlier in the season, on and off. It's it's there's a high press, there's playing from the back. We're still seeing that now. Um, it's uh, a, a hard work, which I still yeah, which I think I, I think you can't ever. We've done a few things wrong this season, but we have worked pretty hard. I think so. That's changed. Um, I would say that the transition, like James said, the transition from I think he's, he's been so desperate to try and fix the defence, and it hasn't really come to that. that hasn't been able that whole sort of transition between defense, midfield, and attack, I think, is it needs a bit more work. And yeah, so I don't, I, 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 like you, I'd love to see it, but uh, I kind of expect, I expected a bit more uh, pace to be honest, and a, a bit, a bit more counter attacking type style, but mm. I don't really, I haven't really seen an awful lot of that. But again, you know, like you said, like we've said, that, you know, many times that he's had to change defensive. A position so many times uh, and then you have a false dawn you have a really good defensive performance and then an absolute shocker and um, and I think that's kind of preoccupying him quite a lot so uh, yeah, until I'm- you fix that and it's the whole same with the top four until you you know if you suddenly had two or three games where the defence was settled and looked like they were you know holding it together pretty well then maybe from there you start building and you think yeah maybe we could push on mm-hmm. but it's it's just uh, it's a bit too game to game at the back and I think that probably affects the rest of what's going on a- ahead of him
1: sure but when when we talk about it being game to game at the back would it not be easier for defenders to cope if there was a consistent system throughout the team yeah, but- so you know I know I know what he's doing and I know he's looking at certain opposition and you know for the most part for the most part it, it has worked but I you know I wonder if perhaps the players shuffling around from one formation to another, whether it's you know four four two, three, one, or whatever it might be you know to a back five and all that kind of stuff from game to game. I just wonder if it might make their uh, job a bit more difficult as well. Whereas if you have a consistent system, you you can cope better with injuries because the players coming in know exactly what it is they're supposed to be doing.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree. I, I think um, the, the more stable it is in that respect, probably the better. But that being said, it shouldn't be beyond the wit of a professional footballer to yeah, to be tra- trained in a different system and to be able to go out and do it. I mean, they're they're not they're not doing they're not being asked to play so violently out of position that, that you know that they're completely lost. They're still playing their roles just in a slightly different way. Apart so from Jack, I, I, I don't I, yeah. Right, I, I think it shouldn't it shouldn't be that hard to change around. I think you know, a good team should be able to, in, in the heat of the moment, change positions and change structures. Um, yeah, you know, they should be good enough to do that.
1: Okay, uh, we are playing Manchester City on on Sunday, James. Uh, I know we've spoken a little bit um, on the Arscast extra and also uh, offline about how daunting this game is. For, for this Arsenal side. He brought Mesut Ozil back and made him captain against Cardiff on, on Tuesday night. Do you expect Mesut Ozil to start on Sunday? Uh,
2: no, actually. Mm. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't thought so. I mean, it doesn't feel like the sort of game where Emery would be willing to use him. Cardiff, Cardiff at home, you know, absolutely. I think Manchester City away, I can't see that happening. I imagine he'll go for someone like Aaron Ramsey and Probably Alex Awoebi and in that in that kind of position. No, I don't think he'll play. Jim,
1: no, no, I don't. No, think, I don't so. think he'll play.
3: I don't. I, I don't. I don't think he'll play. I don't think. Uh, I think Ramsey was. You know, probably was probably being slightly kept back for that game. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he. I mean, to be honest, I, the, the one thing I will. I, I was there at the game on Tuesday, and it was bitterly cold. It was horrible, and you know, really grim conditions to play football. And I don't think. I don't think that helped at all. But I, I still don't think uh, I was. A, particularly did and yeah, you know, it he didn't quite do enough to think actually yeah, you know, maybe you will mm. maybe you're in good good form to start that game but you know i'm not saying he was any worse or, or than anybody else because i don't think he was but yeah i don't think he i don't think he gave us anything that you suddenly thought actually he's back
1: <laughs> yeah it shouldn't be beyond the wit of a pre- uh, professional footballer to <laughs> play in the cold though jim right
3: <laughs> no, no, it, it doesn't help, that, does it? And it's it's just, just as it doesn't help the fans who can't be bothered to turn up like, or leave early, like I did,
1: you know, yeah, hands up. Okay, but, um... all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cold, though, very, very, very cold. Freezing cold. It was freezing. Okay, go on. Have you something there, James?
2: No, not really. I, I mean, it's... I. I... Well, I was no, going to
1: ask you a question. If you don't have anything, yeah, I've got a question. I don't have
2: anything to say, so ask me something. All right,
1: that. you just sounded like you wanted to interrupt there for a second, so I said, "Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll see, no. I'll see what he goes." With, uh, I'm going to make this the final question because I think this is probably one of the things that is going to uh, be on Una Emery's mind, given the situation we had on on Tuesday night, and it's an hour into the game, and it's nil-nil, and we haven't had a shot on target. And the change that Unai Emery made was to bring on Carl Jenkinson for Stefan Mm. Licksteiner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is uh, suffering a bruised knee so we don't know if he's going to be able to make it or not and Jenkinson was quite interesting afterwards he talked about how his job was to push Cardiff back and to make space on the right hand side even if he didn't get the ball they were looking to use his energy and his you know his stamina and he you know that's something that you know you'll get from Carl Jenkinson. he's going to run all day so bearing in mind the opposition who do you play at right back
2: Hey. Uh, do you know what? It's really tough because you're up against Leroy Sane, who really is, I think, one of the most frightening players for a right-back to be up against in the Premier League. And you've got the choice, haven't you, of the Jenkinson, who's certainly the quicker than Lich Steiner, but maybe the little bit less defensively cute. Um, I think I would just go for Lich Steiner. just Just because I don't think it's going to be our priority in that game to get our full backs up into the final third. And maybe that's slightly negative thinking, bit of Emery thinking for me, but Mm. I feel like it's going to be a, if I'm honest with you, actually what I'd probably do is play three center halves and then play Jenkinson as a wing back. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I would do. So Monreal, Koscielny and Mustafi.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd have Jenkinson as a, a wing back and Kalasnatch on the other side. And that way, you know, maybe they have a bit more license to break forward. Um so yeah, that's what I would do. I don't fancy either of them against Sane really in a four. But if, yeah.
1: if it was a back four, I think I think Sane Waiting would both of them. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, just <laughs> put like a like a sack race, we just put them in the one sack. Um you know, I, I think I would fancy Jenkinson against Sane more than Licksteiner against Sane. Um, in a back four, mm. I, you know, I, can I see why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just physically, more able to get to him, and you know, I, you know, I, I, I just don't know.
3: what well, Mustafia right back. We
1: That's don't have an any option, centre halves though. Well, Ma- Monreal well, Mon- and Kashani. Cichel- Mon- but then you're playing. And, you're basically playing Kashani out of position because he plays as the left sided centre back. So I-, I have a feeling that James is right. I think he'll go with a back three. I think he will he'll go with the back three of Monreal, Teschlami and Mustafi and if that's the case I think probably Jenkinson is the option at wing back even though has played there quite a lot. Uh I mean Bellerin's injury has really left us in a in a terrible hole.
2: Yeah, and Maitland-Niles picking up this knock uh, doesn't help either. I know he's not the finished article but you know, he might at least win a foot race with Sano.
1: That's true, Jim. Have you, any further thoughts on this one, and and just in general about Man City? What 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 do you think well, do about the like,
3: game? I feel like the, the Jenkinson ship has sailed. To be honest, I think the good ship Jim- <laughs> I think <HMS> Jenkinson's <laughs> left port. I do. I, I, do I, I just I think you know he, he hasn't played for a, a reason, probably. So oh, I, yeah. I think on a, at a big game like this, I, I don't think it will risk him. He'd be more inclined to play Licksteiner. Uh, Man City, what do I think? Do you know, I'm not as quite as negative about it as I would otherwise have been, purely because, I mean, I wouldn't say they're stuttering, because that's a bit far from the truth, but um, they didn't perform particularly well against Newcastle in the weekend.
0: you does, know... Does that uh, not
1: make you more we, worried, though, because they're, you know, Pep, Pep's going to be going, guys, 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 come on, we, ha- <laughs> we have to respond, guys, guys, guys.
3: Well, we've been all right. I mean, okay, we we got absolutely murdered at Liverpool, and that was yep. a horrendous result and and performance. And, and uh, you know, let's not invoke that that kind of performance. But we played pretty well away at Man U, and we've done quite well against the big sides generally. Um, so um, I I don't know. I think I, I don't. I'm not saying we'll come out of it with anything, but um, perhaps it's not quite as cut and dry as you think. And obviously, you have got Dennis Suarez.
1: Of course, can he play? Yeah, yes, iconic. he can play against. His former club, because he he, he played for, I don't think he ever played for Man City, did he?
2: I think he did in the League Cup, but not in the Premier
1: League. Right, right. Uh, Who's his Arsenal equivalent then? Someone who's only ever played in the League Cup? Uh, Connor Henderson, someone like that. Yes, absolutely. There you go. We've got the Spanish Connor Henderson. How could things go wrong? (laughs) Uh, Patrick for Dennis. (laughs) All right. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Thanks very much for your time, James. Uh, We'll chat on Monday for the Arsecast Extra.
2: Indeed. Bye-bye.
1: Jim, thank you very much indeed, as always. No problem. Cheers, guys. Uh, I realized after I'd finished the conversation with James and with Jim that I forgot to ask them about Emile Smith-Rowe. And his move to a disgustingly sweet energy drink Leipzig. Uh, So I might as well give you a couple of thoughts of my own because uh, I can't get them back at this point. I think it's a good move for him because he can go play some regular football, hopefully. Go play in a different league. There's a lot you can learn both as a player and a person from playing football in a different country as well. So that will stand him in good stead. But, you know, I look at this... Summer and I look at where we need to spend money, and uh, as per our discussion that you've just listened to, the defense has to be a priority. Has to be. And if we're going to spend a lot of money this summer, I would like it to be to bolster that part of our team. Which, if we know Arsenal and if we know Stan Kroenke means that we're probably going to have to find creative solutions for other areas of the team. So we could be looking at a situation where we're definitely looking at a situation where Aaron Ramsey is going. He's going to leave. He's going to sign for Juventus on a free. Danny Welbeck is going because we haven't offered him a new contract. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Mesut Ozil could be on his way out as well. Those are three very big players for any football club to lose. And if anyone expects Arsenal to go out and spend big to replace those players, I think they'll be disappointed because I can't see it. I just can't see us going out and buying players of similar stature or reputation. So one way of offsetting their departures would be to bring through young players with lots of talent, lots of energy, lots of potential, lots of hunger and desire to do well. And if Reece Nelson and Emil Smith-Rowe return from the Bundesliga this summer with good performances, having enhanced their own reputations and having developed as footballers and as young men, then I think they might be players that the club are looking at As potential replacements, I'm not saying they're going to just completely fill the shoes of the the guys who've left or anything like that. But I think the club possibly are looking at them and saying, if they can do it in the Bundesliga, then that saves us a hell of a lot of money, which we could spend elsewhere. I mean, I have to believe we'll we'll buy some players in the summer transfer window, uh, not just defenders, but it's just a feeling I have based on the resources available to us, that maybe they're looking at these guys as potential first-team players for next season. And that's why the loan deals are are important. And it would be great, wouldn't it, if these guys could come back and really stake a claim for regular first-team football at Arsenal because it's great when academy players come through and there's something special about that. It's a lot to ask of them, though it is a lot to ask. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Reese Nelson does between now and the end of the season. He started his loan spell, of course, very, very well, but since then hasn't really hit the heights. Smith Rowe is probably, to my mind anyway, is the best prospect out of the young players that we've got coming through at this moment in time. The ones on the fringes of the first team. I know there are some a little bit below that, but, you know, in terms of what he's done this season for Arsenal, I mean, he's he scored three goals. And if he can produce for uh, for Leipzig, then fantastic. It's not quite sink or swim for him or anything like that. He's still very young, but if he does really well out there, I think it might just solidify the opinions some people have about him and where he might be in the squad next season. So we'll wait and see what happens there. The Manchester City game on Sunday, it is going to be very, very, very difficult because uh, I think City, off the back of a defeat, are really going to step it up. We had difficulties at Liverpool. I would hope it doesn't go anything like that. Our record in the big games generally this season has been okay. We did well against uh city well enough i think against city at home on the first day of the season it was 2-0 uh, but we did well against liverpool at home as well and we know how that one went it's one of those games where i don't think we can afford to take another pounding if we can get anything from this game a draw it's a bonus it's a bonus for us and uh let's hope uh, let's hope we can do exactly that uh, if emery can produce a, a tactical masterclass Maybe, maybe we can get something from this game. You just don't know. Just don't know with this team. I can't say I'm particularly hopeful or optimistic, but uh, life can surprise you and football can definitely surprise you. As I said, James and I will be here on Monday to discuss exactly what happens at the Etihad Stadium. I hope it's good from an Arsenal point of view as well. Have yourselves a great weekend. Uh, Transfer deadline, it's 21 minutes past nine now. Still haven't signed any more players. Bit of a surprise, that, yeah? Oh, well. Talk to you on Monday for the Arscast Extra. Have yourselves a a great weekend. Hopefully Arsenal can make it a brilliant weekend. So until the next one, cheers. Bye-bye. Mesut, uh, Mesut, good evening to you. Uh, I have good news for you. Uh, let me uh, explain. We have a very big offer from excellent club. Uh, want to take a loan for you is a PSG. Uh, what is uh, PSG? I have not heard of this club. Uh, uh, PSG? Still, I don't understand. what uh, What is this club? Uh, have a very great player, like Neymar Cavani. I don't think I've heard of any of them players. Who there? PSG, PSG, have Mbappe, 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 Mbappe. PSG! Sorry, coach. I just uh, don't know what you're saying to me. Oh, is uh, el club I have before Arsenal. Oh, PSG. Mm. Is what I say. PSG! 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 P-S-G. P-S-G. P-S-G.